Masechet Pesachim Daf Yud Gimel, pretty straightforward Daf. We have two main topics. Uh, one is we're going to try to figure out the halacha. Uh, we had all these three opinions here uh, in the Mishnah. The Bimeir says you eat during the fifth hour and then you burn it in the beginning of the sixth hour. The Bimeir adds some an extra extra buffer. Uh, you eat during the fourth and then the fifth hour you can use it. Uh, you can feed it to an animal, uh, but not eat it. And then and then the sixth you burn it. Uh, Rabban Gamaliel, similar to the Biuda, says you eat it in the fourth. Anyone can eat their chametz in the fourth. Then most people have to stop. Um, and then in the fifth hour, only Kohanim can eat tirumah, that's chametz, because we don't want to burn that if we don't have to. So we allow the Kohanim only, and then we everyone burns it at the beginning of the sixth hour. All right, good. So we have three major opinions. Who do we follow la halacha? Uh, so first we say we follow the Biuda. We wonder, why not to be Meir? We try to bring a proof, but reject it. And then we say, why not a Liel? He's kind of a compromised position in between. And then we reject that also and reject the possible proof. And then we note that Rabbi, Rabbi Udanasi, agrees that Halakha should follow Rabbi Uda, not to be confused. Rabbi Uda is Rabbi Uda Bar Eli, fourth generation Tana. Rabbi is Rabbi Uda Hanasi, a fifth generation Tana. Uh, so he's agreeing that. Yes, in fact, we should follow to be Yehuda's opinion, which is what we do today. Okay, so we'll see the who is halacha like. After that, the second topic will be the regarding the public sign of the of the loaves that we put on the on top of the Bet Hamikdash, so everyone can see. Uh, gives time, uh, gives the times. Here's here's when you should stop eating, and here's when you should uh, stop uh, stop eating. Uh, so here's what time you should burn it, you know, like the sirens we have uh, here to uh, announce Shabbat uh, in Israel too. Uh, so um, we want to know just basic things about that, like where exactly was it placed um, and how and what. Uh, so we'll, we'll get back to that, this part of the outline in a minute. All right, we begin. Amar of Nachman, Amar Rav. Rav Nachman is a third generation Amorah. Uh, Rav is a first generation Amorah, but Rav Nachman was his student. Uh, so remember, then they're going to be quoted again. So remember their names. Uh, he says, Halacha Kedibiyuda. Good. So that means we have to stop eating at the end of the fourth hour and then uh, burn it at the beginning of the sixth hour. Uh, okay, good. Amar le Raval Rav Nachman. Uh, so hold on. Why not? Um, why don't you say the halacha is like Rabbi Meir? Because we have another Mishnah, and that's an anonymous Mishnah. Generally, something that's anonymous, we must be that that is the halacha l'maseh because it's, it represents everyone. If it's anonymous, and we have another. We have a Mishnah that has no name. And it, when we correlate it, it seems to be the opinion of Rabbi Meir, and that would be a support for following the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Uh, what is that Mishnah? This is the beginning of the second pedic, so we're not going to get to this for uh, another few days. Um, Mishnah says, Kol le'echol ma'achil. Any hour, any time that you are allowed to, for the food to be eaten, right? That, it, the, that chametz can, you can eat chametz, you are allowed to feed it to an animal, right? They go together. You're eating and the animal's eating uh, go hand in hand. Now, this is a positive way of saying it. We can derive from this the opposite too, that anytime I am not allowed to eat, then my I am not allowed to feed it to my animals either. So uh, look at that. So, right, 
so let's look back on our chart. So this seems to fit the Bimeir who says, in the fifth, you can eat it, your animals can eat it, and then everyone can. In the sixth, nobody can eat it. Good, so that works works fine. The Biuda uh, does not work because here I have an hour where I can eat it and feed it to my animals, but that's the, the fourth hour. But the fifth hour, I cannot eat it, and yet I can feed it to my animals. So you see, this doesn't work with the inference that we're making from the second Mishnah. And this is a Stam Mishnah, and it seems to follow the Bimeir. But we reject that. We say, no, Hahi loves Tamahu, Mishum de Kashya Mutad. Okay, this is written in short form. It's assuming you read, you learned the second pedic already. <laughs> in the second pedic, uh, it says, why is the language of the Mishnah say, kol mutar It should say, kol ochel machil. As long as you can eat it, you can feed it. The word mutar means someone is allowed to eat it, but not necessarily you. Who is that someone who's allowed to eat it? A kohen. Kohen can eat terumah during that time. So there is some permission for someone to eat, but not a general permission that everyone can eat. That's why it says the more indirect language, and according to that interpretation, in fact, that Mishnah fits very well with the Biuda. Anytime that there is someone who is allowed to eat it, that's when you can feed it to your animal. That includes the fifth hour. All right, good. So we got out of that one. Now, why don't we side with Rabban Gamliel? Because he is a compromised position. Uh, on the one hand here, um, he, you know, in this fifth hour, Rabbi uh, Meir says is totally allowed. Rabbi Yudah says is totally not allowed. He says some people allow it, Kohen. Uh, so go, to the, go, go down the middle path. Right, the golden mean. Why not follow him? Because he is a, a machria. He's kind of deciding between the other two. Uh, so Rav Nachman, the name of Rav, would answer, no, Rav Gamaliel is not deciding between these two. He's saying his own opinion. You see, the first of two opinions did not address any, did not address Tiruma at all. They just talked about this, you know, chametz, yes and no. Rav Gamaliel is introducing another topic altogether. So therefore, he wasn't, he wasn't even in the room during that conversation. He was saying something else regarding Tiruma. So we can't use him as a, uh, as a deciding uh, vote regarding the other two. And so that's why we don't, we don't, we don't bring him in. Okay, uh, that's one answer. Um, another uh, way that Rav, Rav, this is, Rav is the one that said, we follow halacha, um, like Rabbi Yuda. Um, perhaps he is in fact, uh, his support is from the Tana, the, the Tana, in this Braita. What's the Braita? Arba'a asar shechal liyot bashabbat mevarin et hakol melifne hashabbat vesorfin terumot temeot teluyot utorot umishayirin mina tehorot mezon shete seudot kede lechol ad arba shaot. Devre rabbi Elazar ben Yehuda ish bartota sheamar mishum rabbi Yehoshua. Okay, they're talking about a case where the 14th is of Nisan is Shabbat, which means the time when we would usually get rid of chametz. Is it going to be that this year? I think uh, the first set that is Saturday night. Yeah. So we're going to have this problem this year. We have to figure out what to do. It's good we're learning this. Um, and uh, so what you can't get rid of, you can't burn your chametz on Shabbat. So that means you have to get rid of everything 
from Friday, from Friday the 13th, uh, Friday the 13th, even before. So what do we do? Uh, we destroy all the chametz before Shabbat. That's fine for regular chametz. What about tiruma? See, tiruma, you're not supposed to destroy uh, tiruma. Uh, so if it's tameh, fine. Tiruma tameh, a coin is not allowed to eat. So you have to destroy that. Fine. Tiluyot, if you're not sure, uh, doubtful tiruma. We're not sure if it's tiruma or not. So we would rather not burn it, right? If we don't have to. Um, but that also, you burn it. Tehorot, tiruma tehora. It's edible. It's perfectly fine. It's chametz. You got to burn that even before the day before because we can't we can't destroy it on on Shabbat itself. So we 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 get rid of everything and we only leave two meals worth. Why only two? Don't we eat three meals on Shabbat? Well, yeah, we have on Friday night and then Saturday morning that you have could have chametz, but already Saturday you can't have chametz anymore. So that's why we have we leave just enough for two meals. That's exactly what uh, probably many of us will do this year. You'll leave uh, your Dubidikat Chametz the night before, uh, Thursday night, and then you'll leave uh, just enough bread, a couple of chalot uh, for those those two meals, um, and then try to eat it all, right? Uh, Just enough. So that you have have enough to eat. Ad arba sha'ot. Here's the key words for us, so that you can eat them, uh, you can eat them, by the fourth hour. Oh, what does this mean? Who says you can eat during the fourth hour? That's Rabbi Huda. If this was Rabbi Meir, he would say that you can eat till the fifth hour. Okay, so this is Elazar ben Yehuda, a Tana, and he obviously says four hours. And so this is a good source, right? That Rav can say, oh, he m- must have known this source and said, here's a support that Halakha is in fact like that, Arba Sha'ot. Okay, so far it's only a single opinion to be Elazar. Maybe maybe everybody else disagrees with them, but the story is not over. So no, don't you can burn the turmat temeah because no one can eat it. Also, the doubtful one you can't eat. But the one the turmas tahor, keep it on the side. Maybe some guests will come over. Uh, you know, your 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 friend Mr. Cohen will come come by and you'll and you'll invite him and he'll eat it. So don't destroy it uh, just in case someone comes. No, no, we checked around. We, I asked all my Kohen friends and uh, there's nobody available to come for lunch. Um, uh, maybe there are some Kohanim that are outside the city. They're, uh, they're staying, they're starting Shabbat in some, uh, some hotel, they're camping outside and you don't know that they're, in, that they're nearby and they're gonna, they might come over for Shabbat. So just in case, because you really would not prefer not to have to uh, burn the Tirumat Tehora. So save it just in case. What happens if nobody comes? Uh, then you could do do be tool, right? Whatever. Uh, you get rid of it some other way. Okay. So this, the Bi Al-Azhar says, according to you, right? You're saying, leave the tahor because someone might come. Well, then how about the doubtful one? You should not, don't burn the doubtful one either because maybe Eliyahu and Avi will come on, on Shabbat, you know, Mashiach, announcing Mashiach. And Eliyahu, when Eliyahu comes, he's going to tell us all the doubts that we had. He'll tell us, oh, this Tudumah is okay. So just in case, okay, I think he's being sarcastic with him, right? Um, no, but he's not going to come on, on, not on Friday and not on Shabbat. 
Shabbat uh, because uh, everybody's involved in uh, preparing for the holiday. And uh, this was not only Shabbat, but also the day before Pesach. And so, you know, people can't be bothered when they're doing their Shabbat shopping uh, for Mashiach to come, right? There's uh, too many things to handle. So therefore, we don't have to worry about Liao coming on, on that Shabbat. This, by the way, is why um, from Motzei Shabbat and Havdalah, why we talk so much about Eliyahu, because now after Shabbat's over, we uh, can hope for Eliyahu coming again. Okay, so anyway, that's their answer. Um, they continued arguing about it all day long, whether you should burn the Tirumah or not. After all the argumentation, Rabbi Yoshua won out, and they all agreed with his halacha. So there you go. Here's a proof. Not only does Rabbi Elazar uh, think that you should eat during the fourth hour, and that's the limit, but everybody agreed to him because after they argued it, they all agreed. So this is a great source for Dav that all the rabbis agreed, even in the times of the Tanaim, that halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda only till the fourth hour. All right, this looks like a very good uh, source, except it doesn't really work. My love, So when they said halachas like him, like Rabbi Yoshua uh, Elazar, doesn't that mean even regarding the time when you can eat? Well, the thing that they were arguing about and that they all agreed at the end was the about the fact that should we burn the, the destroy the chametz to Duma or not? They all agreed with him that destroy all the chametz, even the tahor, and leave only two meals. We don't have to think about a guest who might come. That's the point they agreed upon. Doesn't say that they agreed with him regarding the fourth hour. It could be they said, leave two meals and you'll eat it during the fifth hour. They weren't arguing on that point. That's just a small detail in the story. And it's not something that they agreed upon. Two meals was Friday night dinner and Shabbat lunch. Is that the Friday night meals? Shabbat lunch, right. Whether you can stop, you have to stop eating lunch at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. That's not what, that was not what the story is really about. Put it, on the, put it on the side for whenever you eat it. It could be 9.30 in the morning. Right, right. Whenever you eat that second meal. Precisely. Right. Um, all right, good. So um, so we don't have a proof from there. But it's not this proof either. Now, um, so in our outline, we just said, why not to be Meir? And we explained why, because that Mishnah is not a Stam Mishnah. Uh, um, and we said, why not Rabban Gamliel? Because he's a... Because he's um, in between, it says no. His his uh, argument is not related, and this Tosefta is actually not relevant to our topic. And now we're going to show that the B Yudanasi actually agrees. Um, and this is a uh, an interesting case of depreciating chametz. Let's see what case he's um, he's going to refer to. A story. who in the name of Rav said halacha is like Rabbi because um, Rabin bar Rav Ada. He told this this story. Okay, so some man, we don't know his name, he left a disak, that this is a, a Greek word, disak means two, d like two, do, and sak meaning a sack. This is a double sack. It almost translates exactly into English, right? A double sack, kind of like a saddlebag that would have two sides that maybe you could put around your neck or put on an animal uh, for balance. And it was full of chametz. So this guy uh, went to Yohanan Chakuka'a. Do you remember his name? 
he was the one a few time ago, right? He has a funny name, so you can remember it. Um, he's the one that he, came, he was out in the field and he came back to the city and they said, hey, how's the wheat doing in the field? And he said, uh, the barley is good, right? And they said, oh, great, great news. Go tell the horses. I'm sure they'll be happy. Um, okay, so Yochanan Kukukaha has, oh, he has bad luck with wheat. And this case also, he has some bad luck. So that if you're gonna, if you're gonna give your, uh, your chametz to someone, I don't know, don't leave it with him. Anyway, so this person says, can you hold on to my chametz for me? Now, while he's uh, holding on to it, so mice uh, bore a hole into the bag and the chametz was spilling all over the place. So that's not problem number one, but an even bigger problem is um, uh, that it was Ed of Pesach, and now the chametz is going to become worthless, right? Because once that six hour hits, uh, he has to destroy the chametz, right? And, uh, and now this person who left it with him is going to lose out on everything. So, Shadi Shona, Amalo Hamten. So, Yochanan Kakuka, I don't say he's a rabbi. He, came, he comes to the bee at sunrise and he says, I have this bag of chametz. Uh, and, and, you know, what should I do with it? The person is going to lose out everything. I don't know if he's going to come back or not. What's the question? The question is, should he go and sell it? Because he can, at that point, he can sell it. Someone will eat it. And then he can take the money. And then when the guy comes back, says, oh, I, I, I sold it for you. I have your money. On the other hand, maybe the guy will come back earlier. And he's going to say, I want my chametz. I want to have some breakfast. I says, oh, I got rid of it. Well, what do you mean he got rid of my chametz? So he doesn't know what to do. So um, Rabbi says, wait. Okay. He comes back, Shania, second hour. He's imagining this fantastic scene. How about now? He's all worried. He's all nervous about it, right? I got to sell it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be too late. No one's going to buy this. And so only at the fifth hour, he says, go and sell it. So this is interesting that the B, this is, we're bringing a proof that the B agrees with the B, uh, that the B um, agrees. How do we know? So he told him to sell it in the fifth hour. Who's he selling it to in the fifth hour? My love, le goyim, So when he sells it, must be he sells it to non-Jews. And that's why, see the fifth hour, only non-Jews can, you're allowed to benefit from it during the fifth, fifth hour. You can, right, you can give it to your animal. You're allowed to sell it to non-Jews. And so that supports the biyuda. This whole story supports the biyuda. Amadav Yosef, lo, l'Israel, could it be Meir? No, who told you he's uh, selling it to a non-Jew? Maybe he's selling it to a Jew. And in that case, it's the opposite. This is a proof for the bimeir, the fact that a Jew is allowed to consume it. So he's waiting till the last possible minute that a Jew can own it, can eat it. And that's when he's selling it. So it's actually a proof for the bimeir. Hmm. Wait, if he can sell it to a Jew, then he can just take it for himself, right? Why didn't Yochanan say, oh, the guy's not coming. Let me benefit from it. I'll eat it. And then I'll pay him back for that amount whenever the guy does show up, right? Why does he have to go and sell it? He can take it himself. We have an answer for that, a nice answer. Mishum Hashada, because of suspicion. 
לתניה, גבי עשר דקה שאין להם עניים לחלק, פורטין לאחרים ואין פורטין לאסמן. Let's say of someone who's in charge of the charity funds, and uh, he looks around, there's no poor people, right? Thank goodness, they're so nice. Uh, nobody needs the money, so he's going to save it up for maybe another day, and so he has all change, loose change, everybody gives a dollar, he has a hundred, hundred single dollar bills. He wants to change it for a hundred, um, so he should not change it with his own money. Why? Because it looks suspicious. He's taking all these bills and taking it for himself. Even though he's putting the hundred in, people looking at it say, oh, this doesn't look quite right. Um, uh, so rather, he should go to someone else and say, hey, you have a hundred for these ones. And that way, uh, no one will be suspicious. Even though he's not doing anything wrong if he takes it himself. Similarly, is a soup kitchen. And so there's a, he has a soup kitchen and there's nobody coming. So um, he shouldn't take it for himself, but rather should sell it to other people. Right? Be free from blame, not only from Hashem, who knows that you're honest, but even from other people, right, who don't think so. Um, right? I always have this dilemma, you know, in shul, we give a, put a dollar on the, on the plate. So if, uh, sometimes if I need change, so, you know, I take all the money and I put a, I put a $10 bill there. Um, but I hope everybody knows that, you know, I didn't just take the money. Um, I, 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 put the, I put the bigger bill. Okay, so anyway, this is the reason why um, he didn't take it for himself because he's acting as, he's not, he's not sedakah, but he's acting as a guarantor to this. And nobody should think that. So I, I gave you something to watch and you took it for yourself. So that's why he would sell it to another Jew, even though it was permitted during the fifth hour. But still, we don't have a proof that the bee follows the bee Yehuda. But we do have a proof. Rav Yosef is the one that challenged this. Rav Yosef says, no, maybe he gave it to a Jew. But Rav Yosef's student says, you told us this yourself. Rav Yosef in his old age had dementia, sadly. And he forgot the things that he taught. We saw this many times already. And so, no, you taught us that the story was that the B said, go and sell it to a non-Jew. And that follows the Biyuda. That's how you told us the story. And so, in fact, this is a good proof that the Biyuda Nasi uh, held uh, according to the uh, Biyuda that only during the fourth hour they could eat it. And that's why I waited till the fifth hour and only sold it to non Jews at that time. All right, good. Now, a tangent regarding the story. Madab Yosef, Keman Azla Hashma'ata Derebi, we were just quoting Rav Yosef, probably when he was younger, he taught a lot about the story. And he said, who does this follow, this story? Hashma'ata um, Derebi, uh, it follows Rabban Shimon ben Gamaliel in a, regarding a, another aspect of the story, as follows, Ditnan Rav Mishnah. Hamafkid perot etzel chavero, hafilu hen avudin, lo yiga bahen. Rabban Shimon ben Gamaliel omer, in general, if you're holding something on, holding on to something for someone else, and it's depreciating in value as you're holding it, so you want to save the person's investment, what should you do? According to Tanakama, if it's doing, if it's a regular depreciation, anytime you store something, you know, over time, it's going to depreciate. Um, then, even if it's getting less, don't touch it. It's not yours. And so, you know, be more passive. They got to come back as, oh, it's worth less now. What can I do, right? Now, we, we, you waited a long time to come back. 
However, the Ma'ina Shemam Gamaliel says, no, if it's depreciating in value, you are responsible. Go sell them in front of a Betin. The Betin will make sure that you're selling it honestly. Um, and that's a way of restoring lost property because otherwise the person's going to lose out. Um, okay, good. So we see this machlok. And so this Yochanan Chakuka'a, um, who was he, or Rabbi, who was he following? Obviously, he was following Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel because he told him, sell it. Don't, don't hold on to it. Uh, otherwise, the owner is going to lose out on the value. But we reject that. That could be actually according to both opinions. That controversy there was only if it's going, if it's decreasing value at a standard rate. So a standard rate, I know it's going to lose depreciate over time. In that case, Tanakama says, just leave it, hold on to it. The the, the Shpag says, uh, that you should sell it to even hold on to that little bit of money. But everyone agrees that if it's depreciating a lot, there's some kind of, uh, you know, a, 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 a fire sale on it, and it's going to be totally lost if you wait, if it's like milk and it's going to spoil if you wait, and it's going to be worth zero, then for sure you have to. And so here, for sure, not only was it spilling out of the bag, that was the least of his problems, it's going to become chametz and they're going to, and it's going to have to be destroyed. And so everyone would agree that he did the right thing in this case, and uh, to sell it to a non-Jew, recoup the money, and then he gave him back the money when he came back. All right, so that was the first topic of the who the halacha follows. And now the second topic is regarding the next Mishnah, um, which says this is, the, this is how they announced to everyone when they should stop eating. There was two loaves of, uh, loaves of toda pisulot. We're going to speak a lot about this word. This is whenever, whenever you bring a korban toda, Thanksgiving offering, you bring with it 40 loaves of, uh, of bread, 10 loaves of bread, 30 loaves of matzah. And so they would take two of those loaves and put it up on top of the columns. When they were both there, everybody would eat. They take one that says, now this is the waiting period uh, to you know, uh, go prepare, don't eat, but don't burn yet. And they take both of them away in the beginning of the sixth hour. And that's when they know to, uh, to burn it. Uh, okay, good. So um, now let's see some details about this. First, we're going to say, where exactly was it placed? We'll see some, a little bit of architecture of the Beit HaMikdash. Uh, then uh, in, wh- in, what, in what sense were they disqualified? What happened to them that be- they became disqualified? Um, and you know, why use disqualified ones in the first place? Um, we'll see two opinions about that. Abeliezer who disagrees with it completely. And then third, what was the sign? There's another opinion that the sign was not loaves of bread, but rather plowing cows. Uh, okay, so good. Uh, where was it? It was on top of the bench. It's uh, about we, we saw a lot of that in Iruvin, right? benches that stick out. Well, on the bench, that's all the way low down, right? It's only like two feet high. Has there, what are you trying to hide them? How's anybody going to see the sign if it's just on the bench? No, we mean on the roof, on top of where those benches were, uh, all the way on top. Okay, good. That makes more sense. Uh, so while you're mentioning the Bet HaMikdash, I'll teach you a little bit about 
what it looked like. There was stav, setav means a, uh, a colonnade, a row of columns, and it was actually a double row of columns. The word stav, you might know from the word stoic, the stoic philosophers, they were called that because they would uh, walk around uh, in uh, um, uh, where the, on these covered areas that had columns and they would sit there and that's where they would uh, study and teach their students. That's why they're called Stoics. Uh, but they're not the only ones that had columns. Bet Mikdash had a double row, one over here and another one in uh, uh, back of it. Um, and then you know, people could set up uh, uh, stores around here to sell refreshments and pretzels and uh, not, on, not, on, not on Pesach um, and uh, maybe money changers and uh, all kinds of things. And now people would walk around. This is not in the Bet HaMikdash itself. In this picture, there's also some columns in the Bet HaMikdash, right? But this is talking about the area around it where according to most uh, opinions, you're allowed to walk even now. And so people would walk around and just you know, see each other. And it was a nice uh, social uh, gathering for uh, people from all over the world would come and meet there. Okay, so that's the, those two areas. Gotta go back up. Um, okay, we had this double double stoa. Tanyana mehachi harabait setav kaful haya lebiuda omer istevanit haitanikret setav lifnim mistav. We have a brayta that backs up what Rachava said because he also says in the name of Rebiuda that it was called istevanit, which means a double colonnade. All right, wonderful. Uh, now there were pisulot, these loaves, we picked pasul ones. Um, uh, so am I pisulot? In what way did they become disqualified? Amar bichanina, mitoch shehayu merubot nifsalot belina. Tetanya en mevi'in toda bechag amasot mipnei chames sheba. So one way that the loaves of bread can become disqualified from eating is if they are overdue. When you bring a korban toda, you have to bring the animal and 40, uh, 40 loaves, and you have to eat them all that day and that night. After that, sunrise the next morning, you're not allowed to eat them. This is actually quite a beautiful commandment because it means that you can't eat all those 40 loaves yourself. So you're going to have to invite lots of family and friends and poor people and the vim and all to join your, your Thanksgiving uh, meal. Uh, barbecue. And so this is a nice way of celebrating and had to have something good happen to you. Now, when would people bring their korban toda? People that didn't live near Jerusalem, they might be traveling to Jerusalem for the holiday, but you can't not, cannot bring a korban toda on Pesach because 10 of the loaves of ha are chametz. So that all Pesach is out. Um, so therefore you have to bring it beforehand on the 13th uh, day. And so all these people from all over the world are coming and bringing korban toda. Maybe they were sick during the year and they want to thank Hashem for getting better. And now you have, each one has 40 loaves. You have a lot, a lot of loaves that it's very difficult for everyone to finish consuming. And so that's what it's talking about. Two of these loaves that were overdue now and cannot no longer be in on the 14th at sunrise. And so um, that's, that's what the loaves are that we placed there. Okay, we place them there and not tahor ones because tahor ones we can, we can still eat and we don't want to burn them, but these pasul ones, we got to burn them anyway. Okay, peshita. Now, isn't this obvious that you can't bring a korban toda on Pesach because it has chametz? Uh, no, we're going to add to it. Amarav ada barahava. It's teaching this baraita is teaching us that even on the 14th, I'm not allowed to bring korban toda because even though in the morning I could bring it and eat the loaves quickly in the morning, 
but you're not allowed to prepare yourself for disaster because you're gonna have only a short time to eat the loaves, and then probably they're gonna be they're gonna become prohibited, and then you're gonna to have to burn them, and so you cannot bring a korban toda on the 14th. You have to bring it on the 13th. All right. Therefore, everyone's coming. You know, they're coming last minute, and they bring it on the 13th. There's so many that there's gonna be some left over, and that's what we're talking about. Uh, okay, good. Okay, see, there's a different interpretation. They are not, these were never uh, qualified to be loaves of bread and then became overdue. No, the opposite. They're actually just regular loaves of bread that, um, that a person designated said, these will be my loaves for my sacrifice. However, he never got a chance to slaughter the sacrifice. And so therefore, um, they're connected to the sacrifice, but they're only allowed to be eaten once, once you finish the, the once, once you finish preparing the sacrifice, the sacrifice, uh, um, which means the shechita and sprinkling the blood, that finishes the process. And then you can eat the rest of the meat and the loaves that go along with it. So that's what it's talking about. It's this is not yet ready uh, loaves. Right, we wonder about this. Well, why not make the sacrifice? Do the shechita, and then you'll eat the loaves. Shabbat Oh, it's a case where we lost the animal, uh, right? I got, uh, you know, I went to some animal. I said, oh, you're going to be my Thanksgiving offering. Animal heard that and said, thanks. I'll see you later, right? And darted off, and we lost it. It's smart. Um, so uh, we don't have it. We don't have it. Hold on. So why not bring another one? And then you'll sacrifice that. And then the loaves will be okay. Why are you leaving these loaves uh, just sitting around and you, and you can't eat them? The answer is as Rabbah says. Because um, he says, if you lost bread, then you bring other bread instead. But if you lose the animal, you don't bring another animal. Why? Because the bread is just subservient to the to the to side dish for the uh, for the animal. But the animal is uh, is not a side a side for the bread. And therefore, if you um, if you have the animal and you lost the bread, bring other bread, and we'll still continue as usual. But if you lost the animal, you lost the main dish, and so then uh, there's no need to bring another animal. And so that's the case. Uh, hold on. Now, you, you just said that I have loaves of bread. I designate, I said, these loaves of bread will be for my korban toda. So they have a certain amount of holiness right now. I can't eat them because they will be. Um, uh, but since they were not ever actually, it wasn't actualized, why can't I redeem them for money? There's two kinds of kedusha, kedushat mamon and kedushat haguf. Kedushat Mamon is say, I, I designate the value of this item is holy, but then if anything is like that, I can redeem it with money and then I can eat it just fine. An animal is Kedushat Taguf. I say, this animal is holy. I have to bring that animal. I can't redeem it. So in this case, why not just uh, pay, give money instead, and that will you'll use at some future point for something Kodesh, and then you can eat these loaves. So why are they Pasul? What's Pasul about them? So we'd rather not burn food, you know, especially if it's holy. Uh, we'd rather redeem it and not, ha- not have to burn it. So rather, a new case. 
must be talking about a case as follows. I designated these loaves will be for this and for this uh, Thanksgiving offering. And then I did shechita, but so and as soon as I do as I do shechita, now the loaves become prohibited in and of themselves, and I can't redeem them. But just as the Kohen is about to uh, uh, take the blood, the blood spills on the floor as he's doing shechita, and he can't continue. He can't complete the process. So because he cannot complete the process, the loaves of bread never become permitted, right? So they become prohibited in the first stage, but never go through the whole thing. And so therefore they're in limbo and cannot be fixed. And that's what, that's the case I was talking about. That's the kind of loaves that we pick. I guess it happened off enough that uh, we have loaves around like that. Uchman, Kedabi, and this would have to follow the opinion of Rabi, the two things that you need to do to a sacrifice, shechita and sprinkling the blood, each of them can raise up the bread to be prohibited, even without each other. Some versions of the Talmud say, mo'alin, that you would be uh, prohibited, and chayav me'ila, uh, if you use them. Detanya, here's a b'rayta that says his opinion. A different kind of korban, but it's the same laws. On Shavuot, we bring the two lechem, two lechem uh, uh, offering uh, out, of, uh, out of wheat. Um, and you're only allowed to eat them. Each of the two breads come along with a keves. So you have to do shechita first, and then you can eat the bread. If you did both uh, both steps, you did shechita and you uh, and you sprinkled the blood. Lishman. Whenever you do a korban, you have to do it with intention for that korban. If you did it with intention, I think is a chatat, then it's not good. So if you did everything properly, both steps, then the food, then the bread is holy, and you and the and the kohanim can eat it. If you did both badly and you had in mind something else, then the sacrifice is a bad sacrifice. And in that case, the bread is not holy. Um, And you can't eat it. If you did one or the other, you did shechita with... uh, Lishma, but you did the blood, uh, not, not Lishma. So you only did half of it. So then that bread is holy and not holy. What does that mean? Holy enough that you cannot redeem it for money, but not holy enough that you cannot eat it. That's the, what the B says. So taking the same law and applying it back here, that this is the same thing that we had this uh, Thanksgiving offering with the, uh, with the animal, uh, the animal and the loaves, the animal did they shechita, and then they lost the blood, uh, and that's why the uh, bread is in limbo. That's the bread that we use, and we put up on the on top of the pillars to in order to alert everybody. Uh, okay, good. Now regarding that baraita, that was the B said even one step, but the B Elazar says no, it's not the lech, the bread does not become holy until you do both. And so if you did only one, don't worry about it. It's not holy. You can redeem it. You can still redeem it even after only one. So he disagrees with that point. Now, what about him? According to Shimon, where would we find these loaves that are pasul? Even he could agree. Even he could agree. 
Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon, Sabar Lekabu, Damar, Kol Haomed, Lizrok, Kezaruk, Dameh. As as long as you gathered the blood into a into a cup, even if it spilled before you got to sprinkle it on the mizbeach, it's still okay because as long as it has potential to be sprinkled. We consider it as if it was already sprinkled. And so if it fell on the floor right away, after you did shechita, it's not good. But as long as it was in that cup before, so even he would say that that is uh, sufficient to make the, uh, to make the uh, bread um, holy, and then you can't redeem it anymore. Okay, so he could agree on a type of case. All right, um, all that is uh, good. And now we have the third opinion, which is a lot simpler. Um, he disagrees with the Mishnah. He doesn't think you have to, you have to use um, loaves that are tameh or unedible because they could be regular loaves. Now, the thing with regular loaves is you want to be able to eat them. So he says, yeah, they would eat them. How? Sorfin. Um, and so the, 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 so when they took away one loaf, they would eat it. And when they took away the second loaf, even though it was the end of the fifth hour, they took it away two minutes before and the Kwanim quickly ate it. And so you don't have to use a pasu loaf. Why? Just use a regular loaf and that is perfectly fine. Okay, good. And so that uh, concludes that discussion. And that was a short discussion on what was actually the sign that they used. Uh, we said they do this whole thing with the loaves, but another opinion, Instead, they would uh, have two cows that were plowing on Har Hezetim. Um, nice, you know, they could see if you're in Jerusalem, you can get and have a nice view of Har Hezetim. And as long as both of them were there, you can continue eating. They would take one cow away and one cow is by himself. Then, you know, you have to wait. And then when they take both cows away, then you know that you have to burn the chametz. Okay, why cows? I don't know. I'm not sure what if it has a, any symbolic value. It is interesting because we there's another law we're going to see in the fourth pedic that you're not allowed to do work on it of Pesach. You can't go, go and you know have your animals working the ground. So like, why are they using this as a symbol? Uh, but it seems that the Mount of Olives they didn't grow anything there anyway. So these they were just doing kind of symbolic plowing, uh, and so um, uh, that was the sign that they used instead of the uh, instead of the two loaves. And Yushami brings another a lot of other possibilities. Maybe they had different signs. Maybe different years they use different things. So uh, uh, take a sheet and pull it up uh, over the side of the wall or things like that. The point is, make sure everybody knows and everybody's on the same page. Speaking of which, we'll see the next page tomorrow. Uh,